Thanks for having me, Nate. I appreciate the uh, the invitation and excited to be on with yeah. you. So I met Chris. Chris came through one of our, our programs about a year ago and a little over a year ago, I guess. And so that's how I, I, I've gotten to know Chris. Chris is an interesting guy. He's got a, a very interesting, cool background. Works with, with Mike Tyson, has an incredible company, incredible technology through Smart Cups. Was a was a comedian for a long time. Was as we were joking, he was on the show. If you were a kid in your forties, like myself, <laughs> you remember where in the world was Carmen San Diego? He was the star on that show. So <laughs> yeah, you ever wonder what happens to the kids who don't find Carmen? They end up on Nate Bailey's podcast. <laughs> That's right, man. Here you go. Yeah. I'm sorry, to, sorry to break it to you, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, here's your uh, parting gift. You get to come on Championship Leadership Podcast. That's right. So, uh, well, I will start it off. I usually do ask this question. Championship Leadership is uh, the name of the podcast. What, what comes to mind for you when you hear that? I guess people, people who really stand out to really influence other people to make better of themselves and make better of other people. That's what comes to mind. It's uh, people who persevere, people who are tenacious. Um, people who are driven. That's what comes to mind when I, when I hear that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, I mean, you work with one of the greatest of those ever, right? Mike Tyson in, inside yeah. the boxing world and just his story and what he's got. But, you know, also what you're doing, Smart Cups, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, maybe, yeah, go far, as far back as you want or tell us as much as you want that might be relevant to to you, who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and how that's brought you to Smart Cups, and also just kind of maybe tell us a little bit about what it is because it's an amazing technology that you have. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, well, let's go back to 1982, shall we? <laughs> where a fucked up Turkish man met a 19-year-old Cuban woman and disseminated his sperm and created a, I guess, a, 
quasi evil spawn uh i guess right um yeah I've, I've been working on smart cups for almost nine years this is my baby this is my life's work um you know prior to that uh, i started working in a lab when i was 12. um i took my first college chemistry class when i was 10. um i stayed in the normal course you know from 12 on to like 18 19. i worked in labs i did a lot of research i you know you know, worked on a NASA funded project at one point, developing biologically based nanorobots, um, isolating the uh, protein on the AIDS, uh, on HIV that extends out to our white blood cells. And by isolating that protein and manipulating the pH, now you have the building blocks to an actuator. So all this shit was going on in my life. And then I, I get to, you know, I'm an American Chemical Society scholar. You know, by the time I'm 19, I already have what, like seven years of PhD level research work. And I didn't have the normal childhood, you know, like most kids are like, you know, they're playing baseball, they go swimming. And, you know, when I did the, the, the program with you guys and you guys say, Hey, five o'clock, bring change of clothes, towel, blah, blah, blah. We're going out. I have no fucking clue what's going on. And then I see the water and I'm like, I don't, I'm the worst Cuban on the world in the world. I don't know how to fucking swim. I mean, is now a bad time to tell people that I potentially could drown here and die and become a liability. And so, you know, I didn't have a normal childhood. And then, you know, 19 comes around and I'm like, fuck, man, I'm not living my life for myself. And I don't really share this a lot with, with a lot of people, but I was diagnosed with a degenerative nervous system disorder. And that was the first time that my mortality uh, was really came into question in my head. And, you know, I was suffering a lot of pain and, and, you know, unexplainable. And I went to doctors for about a year to just figure it out. And I was just like, fuck this. Like my whole life was planned for me, you know, by teachers and mentors and, and academics. And I was like, you know what? I grew up poor. I, I grew up, you know, neither one of my parents went to college, you know, I, really in a real shitty part of New Jersey, I grew up. And I'm like, I'm dealing with house money. I might as well go live my life and go do what the fuck it is I want to do. And I said, you know what? I want to be a stand-up comic. And so I, I, I did that. I threw my, myself in there and I did a lot of really cool shit. Got to meet a lot of really cool people. I was one of the first people to really figure out how to use social media for monetary gain and self-promotion. I'm proud to say that I'm one of the first people on Facebook and I've been kicked off. Before VC money, I was kicked off of Facebook twice for personal promotion. So, you know, got to tour the country, opened up for a lot of really cool people. Charlie Murphy, you know, Sarah Silverman, Damon Wayans, you know, hung out with all these comedians. And then I moved to California in 2007 and uh, I signed up to do Real World on MTV and Ended up not doing it. It didn't work out. But then I'm in Ladera Ranch of all fucking places. I'm like 22 years old in Ladera Ranch. But I ended up in Ladera and I looked around and I went, holy shit, this place is real. I'm fucking staying here. This place is nice. I said to myself, I said, if I never make another dollar in my life, at least I'll be a homeless man in Laguna Beach. I'll dress better than 99% of the fucking public, eat better, and I'll have a tan. I mean, what else could you fucking ask for? So then. You know, I was in crossroads in my life, you know, did odd jobs here and there. And just one day I was at a Taco Tuesday back in like 2010, 2011. And my waitress wasn't coming fast enough with margarita drink. And I'm still a stand-up comic. Like, you know, I moved to California. I don't even know how to fucking drive. I get myself a Prius 
and I don't, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't, you know, and, and, uh, waitress isn't coming fast enough. And I have a glass of water on the table. And I'm thinking to myself, Holy shit. You know, how awesome would it be if I just had like a packet of crystal light that I could just dump in there. I could make my own, my, my own margarita. I go, Oh shit. Why hasn't anybody done that? And I go, Oh shit. And I grab the napkin. I start writing a protocol out. And the next day, um, I got a bottle of Everclear and some maltodextrin, took some paper clips, some coffee filters, a frying pan, and I made some powdered alcohol in my kitchen. I blew up the kitchen, <laughs> but I was successful at making three different flavors of powdered alcohol. And, uh, you know, so that, that was, that was really the beginning of it. And then that led me down a path. I partnered up with another inventor. Um, and at the time, you know, so what happened was, yeah, so I'm like, I can't be the only schmuck who ever thought of this. I got to, you know, and uh, I tracked down a guy who tried to commercialize powdered alcohol in 2009, independently wealthy guy. He was yachting off the coast of France somewhere. And so I get a hold of him and I'm like, hey, why'd you stop this? And he goes, oh, I just stopped being fun. I'm like, yeah, but this has the potential to make a lot of money and be very disruptive. And he goes, oh, you know, it just doesn't work out you know, and I said, all right, well, I guess that's that, you know, there's safety, regulatory taxation issues. I'm like, all right, whatever. Because with it, there is a guy out of Massachusetts that says that he has a solution to the problem. And I go, oh, if you don't mind, can you give me his number if you're not working with him? And he goes, don't bother. That guy's a, an asshole. And I said, I go, I go, well, if you, I like assholes. So if you don't mind, give me his contact. Maybe I can work. Maybe two assholes working together would do something yeah. special. And so I get his contact. I could say this is 2020 and I have a cutout of him out in my, in the front of my office. Uh, he is an asshole. <laughs> We've developed like this big brother, little brother relationship where I'm the, you know, the little brother. And, yeah. you know, so I reach out to him and I say, Hey, listen, sounds like you have a solution to my problem. I would like to better understand your technology, where you're commercializing it, what your patents are like. And so we can develop, I have all these ideas around it. So it took like six to nine months of proposals and how I'm going to do this because the technology really is supposed to be a drug delivery system. And he said to me, you know, I don't want to be remembered as the guy who created hot instant hot cocoa or instant margaritas. And I said, well, fuck, I'm not doing anything else in my life. I'd like to be known as that guy. <laughs> and, and I just went, you know, so he puts me on a call with his lawyers and he was just one guy working in the corner of his buddy's building, you know, doing like, you know, feasibility studies for pretty prominent companies, but he didn't have a staff. He didn't have a real, like a robust company. Right. And he didn't have any support. And so he puts me on the phone for about an hour and a half. This was in Ladera by the Starbucks, by the Selma's, by the pizza place. And this is 2013. And he gives me every reason why he cannot work with me. Now he didn't know about my background. He didn't know. He just knew I'm going to Google your name and I see you in your underwear doing MTV, yeah, right. you know? And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he thought I was kind of a joke. There was no smart cups, there was no funding. Yeah. It was just like a vision that I had. And I knew all the applications and I said to him, hey, jerk off, um, and this is how I speak to everybody, you know? I've got no filter, I don't care who you are, this is how I talk, whether it's a, yeah. a pastor or, you know, a transient. I'm the same person across the board. Yeah. What you see is what you fucking get. And 
uh, I said to him, Hey asshole, unless you got a hundred million dollars laying around and the next 20, I said, how old are you? Like in your fifties? So you want to be in your seventies and this thing's going to get commercialized because you're going to have to go through clinical trials and this and that. And I said, you have to popularize it in mainstream applications, get consumer acceptance, and then let everybody else come in and knock on your door. And so that's what I said to him. So he puts me on this call, hour and a half, hour, something like that, outside that Starbucks in Ladera. And he gives me every reason why he can't work with me. And I'm just going, fuck. And I just lost my cool. And I, at the end of the call, I said, well, you just essentially wasted a fucking hour and a half of my life. You can go fuck yourself. You are a fucking moron. And call me back in eight more years and you still won't commercialize this because you don't have a fucking, you don't know your dick from your asshole. And so I got pissed off. I walked down to the pizza place, <laughs> three doors down from the Starbucks. I'm now on my third 22 ounce Coors Light <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I get a phone call from his lawyer. And the lawyer goes, hey, Chris, can you come back on the conference line? You know, we, we have an idea. I go, listen, John, if you didn't like what I had to say before, you're really not going to like what I have to say now because I'm like, I got booze in my system. Yeah. <laughs> I really have no filter now. And I get back on the call and Sal, that's his name. Sal's laughing his balls off. He goes, I like you, kid. You got, you got, you know, you got chutzpah. And I said, well, that's great. I still think you're a fucking moron. And so that's when it started. And they said, you know, you need to prove that you can execute on this. I said, all right, what's your criteria? You need to show that you can financially execute this. You need to raise X amount of dollars and you need to, you know, do blah, 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 blah. And I said, fine, cool. Just send me a sample of your technology. The same day I got my, the first cup, I went to my now partner's office. This is in 2013. I showed him the powdered alcohol that I had made in my kitchen. And I said, listen, I made this in my kitchen. Okay. I'm a fucking good chemist. Yeah. The government will never let you sell this because of safety, regulatory taxation issues. But there's this technology that solves all those issues. And if you act now, there are all these other applications, medications, vaccinations, antibiotics, personal hygiene products like mouthwash, cosmetics, industrial materials, military applications. There's a water purification system that we can develop where you print it inside of the cup. You know, so he shook my hand and he's been my partner, my only partner since. And that was in 2013 to today. And Sal went from being one guy in his buddy's office to taking over the entire building and having a staff of 12 to 13 chemists and engineers. We built all our manufacturing equipment from scratch. I operate out of a 23,000 square foot FDA registered facility in, in Southern California. And uh, yeah, things are, things are good. You know, we have, you know, we sold our patents about a year ago. We filed new patents. And we're in a massive scale-up project right now so, so that we can satisfy big box retailers. And so the technology really is a drug delivery system, but it, it's the ability to print active and flavor materials on substrates. And so we're not limited to just inside of cups. We can print on paper, aluminum. Fuck, Nate, I could print on your face if you really wanted me to. It's like Willy Wonka's wallpaper. <laughs> but the benefit of it is really rooted in sustainability and the elimination of liquid transportation. And so you think about, you know, reduction of storage and transportation costs, the Coca-Cola truck that once could only deliver 96,000 12 ounce cans will now can deliver 1.2 million units using Smart Cups technology. And so what's that saving in diesel fuel? What's that saving in resources? How many more resources can you get to people? And so when you start looking at some of the other applications, right now we only sell an energy drink that has caffeine, amino acids, and B vitamins. 
But when we go into other applications, people are going to go, oh, we get it. Okay, this is what this is, right? And so now we're going into that next phase of our of our business growth. You know, we're partnered up with, you know, we're, we're sponsoring the Mike Tyson comeback. I've known Mike for a number of years and, you know, he's a great guy and I've gotten to get to know him and pretty exciting times right now, you know? And so I'm partnering up with UCLA to do a research project on what water or liquid transportation does to our environment and what the elimination of that would do to our environment. Because there's so much literature on what plastics do, what emissions do to the ozone, to climate, climate change, whatnot. But there's no research on liquid transportation because there's never really been an option. And so when I got into this business, I thought this was going to be fucking easy. Hey, I'm going to show an empty cup. You're going to add water and it's a beer. And people are going to be like, oh shit, this is, and I'm going to sell and I'm not going to have to worry about marketing. But there was so much market confusion when I first came out that people weren't getting it. And I had, I had a two-headed monster that I had to overcome, which is number one, I did it under a brand name that had no footprint. Nobody knew, you know, I could be a sweatshop and fucking, you know, Taiwan with little kids making your beverages and nobody would know different. Right. So create that brand recognition, that brand awareness. And then the second one is this is a technology that never, nobody ever thought was even possible. And it only previously existed in like movies like, Back to the Future or the Jetsons or Star Trek. And so now it's like, okay, how do I overcome those two things? And so the last two years have been pretty fucking hard, but we're finally at a stage where I, I, I finally have identified, you know, what are the, the confuse, confusing message points and how to rectify that so that we can go to a global scale. How much of it is it too? So those of you guys are listening, so he's actually like imprinting on the bottom of like a plastic cup right now is what they got, the energy drink. It's the powder that you created in the kitchens, like imprinted and solidified into the bottom of the cup. You add the water and there's your drink. Yep. Right? Yep. So how much of it is, it's getting over just people's own habits of like opening the already filled can, not having to add the water. Just Absolutely. That's, that's a big portion of it. And I just had the conversation this morning. It's, we're creating a completely new consumer behavior because you used to this like, yeah. And I'm never, and I jokingly said this at a, at a, at a conference uh, a couple months back, there were some audio visual problems and I was playing my video and it got stuck on a little kid drinking a cup. And I said, look, I'm taking a page out of big, big tobacco. <laughs> Cause if you get the kids young now and they become conditioned to this and it becomes second nature yeah. then the kids that are drinking the kids drinks at five and six end up drinking the electrolyte drinks when they start playing sports, end up drinking the energy drinks. Their first sip of beer at 16 is going to be a smart cup beer or a smart cup cocktail. Right. And, and then when they get older, they'll start drinking coffee and teas and, you know, taking their medications when they're finally older. And so they're conditioned to that. Yeah. When I, when I move into alcoholic beverages, I'm never going to recondition. It's going to be so hard for me to recondition that 50-year-old, 60-year-old guy who likes sipping this particular scotch. It's going to be very difficult. But if you are strategic about it, then you can – this is a generational thing that I'm working on. This is not like – like I look at my asshole kids and I go, all right, which one of you is going to like unseat me and take the family business one day and just like – you know. I'm going to be at a board meeting and they're going to be like, no, 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 you're out dead. You know? So (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to stay like five steps ahead of these, these fuckers. Um, And I love my kids, but I, you know, I say that jokingly, but um, 
you know, it's a generational thing. This is, I'm, I didn't set out. I like doing things that are exciting and that are not normal, you know? Um, and this is, this has been one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do. I've grown up a lot throughout this process. It's taken years off my life. Yeah. And I've grown so much doing it. it, It's, it's not, you know, like four years ago, I would be very reactionary Mm -hmm. and my reactions now are not the same. Like there's no problem that can't be solved. There's no issue that can't be solved. And so, whereas most people will drown in some of the problems that I deal on a day-to-day basis, I just take it in fucking stride. You know, there's nothing that I can't fucking solve. There's no problem, whether it's financial or supply chain or a celebrity endorsement that goes wrong or some bullshit that happens, everything is fine. Everything's fixable. I mean, it, it just stay even keel. Where do you learn that? Where does that come from? I think it's just over time and, and over time of just learning from my experiences. Yeah. You know, and, and I always admit to people, you know, yeah, I was a really smart kid, but emotionally I was not all centered. You know, when they tell you at like 10 that you're a genius and your mom tells you to go clean your room and you go, I don't have to fucking do that. I'm a genius. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) but you know, like, and even today, like when I deal with a marketing company, they go, Oh, you know, we want to, we want to angle this around you as the child genius. And I'm like, listen, that was like 20 years ago. I'm 36. Now I got three fucking kids. I changed diapers. I'm not a child genius. I'm just a schmuck trying to make a buck. And I keep it in perspective. You know, what I'm doing is something that's exciting for me because I have a rare opportunity to really impact the globe. But I also, you know, it's a way for me to make money. It's, it's, it's a living, right. You know, I'm not anything special. And, and, you know, there, I look at it and it's just like, you know, I learn from my experiences and I go, ah, if you're self-aware and you can learn and become better over time and look from your mistakes that's the most important. That's how you grow. You, if you stay stagnant and you just keep repeating the same stupid shit that you do and the same behavior and you, you're expecting a different outcome, it's never going to change. So, so you go from, you know, not getting your margarita fast enough on a taco Tuesday, uh, somewhere on the, on the beach to, uh, creating this, this technology to now it's too much bigger. Like we talk about vision a lot. Championship leaders have great vision and you're like, Hey, I can impact, globe with this right yep through you know the cost resources how how long did it take to put those two together uh it didn't take very long yeah, not that long right yeah no i mean i've always i'm a I bigger picture that when you're scribbling on a napkin that's for sure No, (laughs) when I was scribbling on a napkin, I had no idea. Like I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I never thought that I would own my own business. You got to understand, like my parents were so poor. At one point, I remember we only had spaghetti in boxes in the cupboard. And my mom says to us, hey, get in the car. We're going to go to Burger King. So we get to Burger King and she goes, get out, get all the ketchup packets. So here I am, this like little fat kid going into Burger King, getting all the ketchup packets, you know, in my hand so that we could eat spaghetti and ketchup for dinner. Yeah. So I never, I never really thought of my life like that. I never thought of me as like, you know, an entrepreneur. I don't even like the term entrepreneur, right. Right. you know, I, I don't, it's just, 
when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I may not necessarily understand everything that it takes at the moment to go do it, but I will figure it out. Again, that's the one thing that people always say about me, like, oh shit, you know, don't challenge me to anything because I will win. (laughs) Even if I die trying. And if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. You know? So even my wife, she get pissed off at me for, for anything. But if you ask my wife, you know, if Chris says he's going to do something, he's going to fucking do it. Yeah. So I guess that's one of my redeeming qualities and why I stay married. <laughs> Today, man, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, that not a lot of people out there that will, when you, when they tell you you're going to do something, uh, you can just kind of count on it. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, those, those, those folks that do, you know, are the ones that keep moving forward, keep winning. What's yeah. I know uh, I want to I want to respect your time here, but tell us a story about Mike Tyson and how that all came about. Share something with us uh, for the listeners here. Yeah, I, I met Mike a couple of years ago. He was shooting a movie and uh, I was in one trailer on this set and they said, hey, do you want to meet Mike? And I said, shit, he's here. And so they put me in the trailer. I'm sitting right next to him and I was like, scared shitless. His <laughs> hand, one of his hands is the size of both of mine. Yeah. And you hear all the stories, you know, all the bullshit. And it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm like this, you know, and they go, Hey, show him one of the cups. And this is before I had a manufacturing facility. It was just, I just had prototypes and they go show him the cups. So I show him a cup and he goes, Oh man, this is beautiful. What's the name of your company? And I go smart cups. And he goes, Oh man, smart cups, smart cups, smart cups. He gives me a hug and he kisses me on the cheek. And he says smart cups like nine times in a row. And I looked at him and I said, I need you in a fucking commercial. And at the time I was talking to the, to the people that represent the Einstein family for Einstein's likeness. And I was like, I got this vision. I want to put Einstein and Tyson in the same commercial. And Einstein's trying to figure out the cup. And Mike walks in and says, Albert, it's so simple. Just add water. And, you know. <laughs> And now you get like Mike Tyson explaining, you have two of the most recognized faces on the planet. It's Mike Tyson explaining to Einstein how to use a smart cup. So, you know, I've known him for a number of years and, you know, he has a a successful business in in the, in the cannabis space. And uh, I respect that. Um, And and, he's just, he's been great to me. He's been great to me and, and great to my business. And I'm looking forward to everything that, that comes out of this next, you know, growth period for my business and, you know, sponsoring him and just, uh, it's a great relationship. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, let's wrap this up. What's, what's, what's something that you could leave with the listeners? Any advice, any, any words of wisdom? Well, I mean, I've got over my head, I've got a Rocky poster, Yeah, you know, and it's dated the first day that we printed an actual cup at my facility and my, the first employees that I had here, they, they put it together. They, they made this for me. And so, you know, August 10th, 2017, but before 2017, I've been working on this for like five, six years. And it was, it's been a long road. And even now it's 2020. And we went from a period where Shit, where's the electrical outlet? I've been I've been electrocuted fucking four times over the last like three years. Um, you know, um, it's a long road. And the quote there is it's it's not about how hard you get hit, but you know, how many times you get back up. Yeah. And 
that's, you know, the, the one thing that I tell and I repeat to my kids on a daily fucking basis is you just got to work hard. I know so many smart people that would be considered geniuses that are just content with mediocre lives. And that's not, that's not the way I want to live. If you want to live better and bigger, you just got to work hard. You got to put in the time, you got to grunt it out. You got to love the process, not the end result. Because if you don't love that process, that end result is never going to be gratifying. And you're always going to start trying to find another end result um, to go chase. And you just got to love that process. And that's what I love. That's why when we work together, I really, the inspirational stuff, like I'm already on, on, like in line with, like I get it, right? You know, I don't need anybody to motivate me or inspire me or get my mind in check. I love like the grueling side of things. Like I'll put my body through like some crazy shit just for shits and giggles to see how hard I can actually push myself. Yeah. You know, so like, I think my COO from years ago, this is before I met my wife, we're at a Hooters and they did like a, a competition. It was like free wings and beer for, it was a push-up contest. And there are all these like Marines there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do it for free wings and fucking beer. I'll do shit. I'll do anything. <laughs> and here are all these Marines and they're all like making fun of me. And I fucking won. I beat them. <laughs> And that's, you know, and then I couldn't move my arms for like three days, but yeah. there's no fucking way I'm going to let anybody beat me at anything. And, and, you know, I know that's, that can make you sick and that could fucking kill you. But at the same time, that's, it's, it's, it's a good quality to have. If you can just get to like a percentage of that mind mindset, you will be very successful in life. Yeah. Well, the opposite of that can kill you probably even quicker, right? Like, that's right. Yeah. In that at all. That's right. So yeah, I appreciate that. That's great. And um, what are some what are some ways we can find out more about you and, and Smart Cups and people? Yeah. So um, yeah. So right now we only sell Smart Cups off of our website on Amazon, SmartCups.com, and on Amazon. So if you want to check it out, I'd appreciate it. You know, give me your feedback. Let me know what you think. And over the next eighteen months, we're going to have a bunch of other product offerings out to market, um, and uh, probably be in a store near near everybody. When's the booze coming? What's that? When's the booze coming? Uh, my goal is by 2021. Okay. 2021. So we're in the R&D process right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the, the end result's going to look like, but, you know, I work very hard at, you know, amending legislation, mm-hmm. having people understand that this technology is different than anything else. I mean, just think about hand sanitizer. My, my ability to encapsulate ethanol will now allow me to create printed disinfectants. Uh-huh. And that's the bigger picture. It's not to make an instant margarita. It's like, you know, mouthwash, cough syrups, antibiotics, vaccinations, all of those have ethanol in there. And so my ability to print ethanol is critical for so many applications. And so that's where I'm really headed towards. And that's what I'm really passionate about. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Chris, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Hope I didn't curse too much. No. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Take care. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. 
But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm a leader. Championship Leadership Podcast. Hey, Bailey.